Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. How are you? Blessed. What else we got this morning? Awesome. Okay, we're blessed and awesome this morning. That is good. Well, welcome, Seacoast Vineyard. My name is Lauren, and I am one of the preachers here at this church, and I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. Who was surprised with the Super Bowl results from last Sunday? Mostly surprised, not me. Some of you guys are excited. Well, if I'm really honest, I was with my small group watching the Super Bowl, I really only watched it for about a minute and a half. I even left before halftime. It gets worse. I had to Google who won the next day. I just lost a few of you, but it's okay because we believe God has something good to say to us this morning. Amen? Hate is going to hate. Well, hey, if you didn't know, we have a small group for young adults in this church. If you are in your 20s and 30s, anyone in their 20s and 30s in here? Yeah, raise your hand. Yeah, there you go. We have a young professional small group here, but we don't really prefer to be called young professionals. We prefer to be called professionally young. Okay, so if you are in the professionally young category, we have a space for you, and we have a place for you. We meet Monday evenings, but we do so much more life outside of just our Monday night gatherings. But if you're new here, I just want to let you know that we have a small group for you called Professionally Young. Well, let me tell you about my sophomore year of college. Sophomore year of college was the year of change for me. Sophomore year of college was a year that I stopped stealing food from the dining hall. You've all done it. Sophomore year was the year that I finally declared my undeclared major. Sophomore year was the year that I started passing my classes. It was also the year that I stopped going to class hungover. Sophomore year was the year of change because I found real friends and real community. Sophomore year was the year that Jesus had chased me down. And I began my adult journey with Jesus. And it was beautiful and it was amazing. And I got involved with a campus ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And God just used it to radically change and rock my world. And so I got involved with this ministry, and we had weekly gatherings, kind of like Sunday services. And I remember this one weekly gathering that we had, and a speaker came in to talk about the topic of forgiveness. Now, at the end of this speaker's message, it was compelling, it was intriguing, it was convicting. The speaker then asked the audience, she said, now, I want you to practice forgiveness. I want to challenge you to forgive anyone in the room who has hurt you, who has offended you, and I want you to do that right now. It was like the crickets were gone. It got so silent and so awkward, but eventually a student got up and walked over to another student and began a conversation 
And then another student got up and walked over to another student. Student after student began to get up and approach another student and begin a conversation of reconciliation. And I'm telling you, forgiveness was in the air. And students left that room that night, freed people. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Well, a few years later, I graduate, and I find myself on staff with the same ministry. And I'm at a conference for work on the topic of prayer. And I remember sitting in a session with other ministers, and we were sharing about the difficulty of our year on the college campus. And I remember my friend began to share that we'll call Joy. Joy began to share about her year. Now, Joy is a vibrant, gracious black woman, and she began to share about the racism and the prejudice and the microaggressions that she dealt with on a regular basis. And in that moment, I began to weep. I, began, I became so burdened by what Joy was sharing with me that I got on my knees and I crawled over to Joy as low as I could go. And I began weeping at her feet. And I was apologizing. I said, Joy, I'm so sorry you've had to deal with this. And as I was crying at her feet, I began to say, I'm sorry for my own prejudice and the prejudice of other people. And Joy, with tears streaming down my face, she looked at me and she said, Lauren, I forgive you and I forgive others. And I will continue to forgive other people. It was a powerful experience. I look back on those moments and my friend Joy and so many other people throughout the years have inadvertently taught me a, a South African word used to describe the very essence of what it means to be human. And that word is full of beauty. That word is full of compassion and hospitality and generosity. And this word means to give away what is yours. And that South African word is Ubuntu. Friends, say it with me. Ubuntu. Ubuntu. It is Ubuntu for my friend Joy to keep offering forgiveness to those that hurt her and wrong her. It is Ubuntu that led Nelson Mandela to invite two of his prison guards to sit next to him on the day of his inauguration as a president in a country where he was a political prisoner for 27 years. It is Ubuntu to give away what is yours, even the right to retaliate, even the right for revenge. Well, Archbishop Desmond Tutu wrote in his, no, in his memoirs, No Future Without Forgiveness, and he describes those with Ubuntu. They understand that they belong in a greater whole and are diminished when others are diminished or humiliated or tortured or oppressed or treated as if they were less than who they are. The essence of Ubuntu is a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. It means the New Testament Greek koinonia, 
the body of Christ, community. And so that is why we pray the Lord's Prayer, our Father. We don't pray the Lord's Prayer, my Father, my daily bread, or forgive me my sins. We pray it, our Father, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. And so Desmond Tutu, he reminds us that our lives are inextricably bound together. And so we are brother and sister. We are united by the same blood, and we have the same father. And Jesus, Jesus had Ubuntu. And God wants us to be a people of Ubuntu. And so if you are new with us this morning, we have been in a series on the Lord's Prayer. Tim has walked us through several weeks. It's been beautiful. It's been compelling. It has been convicting. And Brian Bailey brought a great word about the kingdom breaking in into our present reality. It's been an amazing series. Would you guys agree? Yeah. And so today, we find Jesus' disciples saying, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus is like, oh, man, do I have something good to tell you? I wonder if Jesus really talked like that. <laughs> so forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, some of you just got really anxious at this part of the prayer. And some of you are really relieved at this part of the prayer, where wherever you are coming from, wherever you are coming from, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Amen. Amen. So as we've done every week, would you stand and let's pray the Lord's prayer together as a community out loud, starting at our father. Our father in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. Father God, we ask that you would come and meet us in this place today. Jesus you are kind and you are gracious and you are good and you are loving. God, I ask that you would do a new thing in our hearts today. Would you do a new thing in our lives? God, I thank you for meeting us here. Holy Spirit, do a new thing. In your strong and mighty name, amen. amen. So our first fill-in, as you walked in, I hope you received a worship packet. On the back is a place you can take notes. Our first fill-in is this. Forgiveness is the gift we need. Forgiveness is the gift we need. You see, this prayer assumes that we have debt. Well, in case you are new to this scene, we are kind of in the red with God as far as our relationship with God is concerned because we have built up such a mountain of debt so large that it's actually impossible for us to pay it back. It is so big. 
And we add to this mountain of debt all the time. I mean, every time we are short with a waitress, every time we act selfishly, every time we turn a blind eye to someone who is in need, every time. And we all add to that mountain of debt all the time. Well, if we look at this prayer, it's kind of a two-part prayer. The first part is that we are asking God to do something for us. Forgive us, God. Forgive us our debts. And then the second part of the prayer is that we will then do something for other people. But first, but first we, before we do anything for other people, we are taught to ponder the goodness and the greatness and the gift that God gave us 2,000 years ago on the cross. The gift for all humanity, forgiveness of that mountain of debt that we have occurred. And so Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Well, Charles Williams wrote this, no word in English carries a greater possibility of terror than that little word, what? As in that clause, right? Because scripture says, forgive us our debts as. Okay, I can get down with Jesus forgiving my debts, but wait, I have to forgive other people? Scripture says we must forgive. Scripture says we must. But when we are hurt, friends, and I mean really hurt, it's pretty hard and difficult to forgive. And to paraphrase C.S. Lewis says, he says it's easy to talk about forgiveness. It's easy to talk about it until you have something to forgive. And so I wonder, how many more marriages, how many more friendships, how many more relationships would have been changed, would have been changed if we stopped and we thought and we prayed before that little word as? How many more? And we let the Spirit work at that little word. I mean, humanly speaking, you and I, we can't forgive. But God can empower us to forgive. And so just as much as it is a gift that we need, forgiveness is the gift that we give. And that's our second fill-in is. Forgiveness is the gift we give. The Greek word for forgive is aphemi. Say it with me. Aphemi. And that word means to release and to send away. Aphemi. To release and to send away. And we see this in Leviticus chapter 16, the Day of Atonement. A priest would take two goats. He would sacrifice one goat as a sin offering. And then he would take another goat. He would lay hands on the head of this goat and confess all of Israel's sins onto the head of this goat. And then this goat would be led to the furthest part of town and released and sent away into the wilderness. Scapegoat. Ever heard of that? That's where that image comes from. 
And so what a tangible picture, right, of Jesus bearing our sins, and then they're released, and they are sent away. And maybe some of you have been hurt so badly, though, that the idea of releasing and sending away an event, a circumstance, a person, is just too weak. And maybe there are some of you in this room today that have dealt with physical abuse, emotional abuse, maybe even spiritual abuse. If you are in this room today, I am deeply sorry. I'm deeply sorry if you've had to deal with that. And maybe, maybe you're waiting for an apology. Maybe you want someone to drop to their knees and apologize. Well, did you know in a rabbinic tradition, you only had to forgive someone three times before you could just let that person go and it becomes their problem. And so that's why we see in Matthew chapter 18, Peter goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister? And he says, seven times, Jesus? If you do the math, that's, you know, add three, then plus one. Seven times? That's generous, right, Jesus? And Jesus' reply probably startled Peter because he's like, oh, bless you, Peter. Not seven times, but seven times 70. Now, I don't believe Peter pulled out his trusty iPhone and went to the calculator and said, well, that's 490 times, Jesus. That's a lot of times because it's not actually about a literal number here. It's not about a number because Jesus is saying we must forgive always. We must forgive every time. Every time. However, we are to pray for wisdom and discernment on how we move forward with an individual. We have been given those gifts by the Holy Spirit. And forgiveness is not always reconciliation, okay? It's not always reconciliation because that is a two-person sport and it involves both people coming back together. And forgiveness can't always be that because if someone sins against you and refuses to repent, you may not be able to build that relationship back. But you are able to give up the right to hurt that person back and to wish them well before God. And friends, I know when God has done a good and a holy work in my heart around forgiveness, I know that I am wishing them well when the Holy Spirit has done that in my heart that I'm wishing that person or that event well. Jesus, he's serious. He's serious about forgiveness. And if you noticed, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, he expounds on forgiveness even again. He says in Matthew verse 14 in chapter 6, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, some of you may be thinking, whoa, God, you're being really strict here. 
Some of you might just be thinking God is doing his job. Jesus is not saying that God is withholding forgiveness to motivate us to forgive. Jesus is commenting on the nature of humanity. You see, if I cling to bitterness and I cling to passive aggressive behavior, and if I don't want to forgive, God won't force me to. God will not force me to forgive. But it's not possible for us to know God's heart for us and remain hard-hearted towards people. We can't have one posture with God and then another with people. That's not actually possible. And so we see this in 1 John 4.20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And so learning to be a people of Ubuntu, we give away what's ours. We give it away. As God has forgiven us. And so I want to ask you, Who have you not forgiven? And what weight are you carrying because of that? Maybe it's something you've never admitted. Maybe it's something that you've never named. Well, you can't release and send something away if you've never named it or never admitted. Maybe it was a friend, an enemy a neighbor, maybe it was an ex. It's hard, right? Forgiveness is because we want revenge. Well, ask yourself, have you ever betrayed someone? Let someone down? Hurt someone? That question will take us right back to the cross. Because remember, we all have a mountain of debt. We are all in the same boat. And so maybe the invitation for you today is to begin the process of a Femi. Begin the process of releasing and sending away the hurt, the pain, the unforgiveness. Forgiveness is a process. And Elizabeth Elliot has taught me this. She has says it's one foot in front of the other. Right? Take the next step. And so our last fill-in is this. Forgiveness is the gift of freedom. It's the gift that we need. It's the gift that we give away. And hallelujah, it's the gift of freedom. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came into this world that was governed by retaliation. And Jesus says, I have a better way. There is a better way to live. Our nature of, I'll get you back, the kingdom of God has another basis. And so Paul says the I'll get you back response is not actually how we respond as a church. And here's what he says in Ephesians 4.32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave 
you. And so Paul says, walk in the way of love. It is a fragrant offering. Walk in compassion. Walk in love. Forgiveness, it's not cheap. And it's not even natural to us. But that's what we learn from Jesus. And we as the church, we get to lead the way in forgiveness, right? We should be able to be the freest and the lightest people on planet earth because we have been forgiven. We have been forgiven, we have been released, and we are able to offer that to other people. We get to be a part of God's great adventure over our lives. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me as we celebrate communion? If you did not receive a communion kit, raise your hand nice and boldly. Someone will get you one. There are two tabs on this communion kit. One is to peel back the bread. The other is to peel back the cup. Now, what I want you to do that's a little different from what we normally do during Communion Sunday is I want you to hold on at the end of communion to your empty cup. Ushers, don't pick them up just yet. Just hold on to it, and you'll see why. You'll see why. Just hold on to it. And so we get to celebrate communion because we remember all that Jesus has done for us. And the image that keeps coming to my head is the image of the, the running father towards the prodigal son who had spent his inheritance and he had run up a mountain of debt so large and yet the father was running towards the son. And the father runs towards us today. And so hold that image of the running father running towards you today. And so we find Jesus sharing a Passover meal with his best friends. His best friends are surrounding him. And he taught them that the Passover was a sign that pointed to him, that he would be the spotless lamb broken and his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus, with his best friends, took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup, and he said, this this is forgiveness. This is my blood that was shed for you. Drink in remembrance of me. And so as you hold on to your empty communion cup and we remember all that God has done for us, what we're going to do is pray the Lord's Prayer again. 
And this time, pausing, stopping, asking, pausing right after forgive us our debts as. And we're going to ask God in those moments of silence, who and where is the debt? Who do you want me to forgive today? God, how can I afimi? How can I release and send away the debt? So I will bring us back in and we'll finish the prayer after a few moments of silence and begin to let God work. Begin that process of afimi, of releasing and sending away. So starting at our Father and pausing right after that little word S. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as... God, begin to speak to us in these few moments of silence. Who or what wears the debt? Starting at we, let's finish the Lord's Prayer. We also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. For some of us, we need a physical response. And so today... On February 11th, you can look back as we throw away our empty communion cups and we remember all that God has done for us. We can say, I remember the process of a Femi. I remember releasing and sending away. And so we release our empty communion cups and the ushers can come pick them up now. So we begin that process of a Femi. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.